Why are you going to shoot me? Before, you said you wanted to leave one of us alive. This seems like a good first move. Lemon might have forgotten what he said earlier, and it makes sense to try to remind him. Yeah, but then I realized. Realize what? Then you're the mean old diesel. What do you mean, I'm the diesel? Well, it's like, he begins reciting. The diesel is an engine who came to help at Sir Topham Hatt's railways. He is nasty and vain. He makes fun of the steam locomotives and only ever does things to benefit himself. But in the end, his wicked plans are discovered and he is punished. That's the diesel. Same as you, am I right? Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Let to Lens podcast, a safe place for folks who like the movie more than the book. We are recording this on Thursday, August 25th, 2022, um, and we are discussing Bullet Train. With me to talk about the adaptation is the bro Colin, whitewashing, and diesel fueling, Mr. Eric. Say hello to the people, Lee. Choo-choo, everybody. Welcome to Bullet Train. <laughs> Uh, it runs me laugh it runs way it runs way more quietly than that for sure uh (laughs) it's electric you know it's it's probably actually like magnetic Mm -hmm. it's everything that like elon musk's hyperloop wishes it could be although it seems like the hyperloop it was just like a fake project to have him in gender support i don't know why i'm talking about uh hi those are some interesting adjectives it makes me seem like a sucky person which i guess makes sense for a sucky that's kind of the yeah, that's what we're trying to do here at Let to Lens. We're trying to let the people know how sucky you are as a person. Perfect. So I don't know if it's working. We should get feedback from uh, our listeners and see. Let us know what you think of Eric. Yeah, find us on Twitter, at Let to Lens. At Let to Lens. Um, so we are discussing Bullet Train today. Uh, we're going to go over a, qu- a couple, more than a couple, a few fast facts here. The book, written by Kotaro Isaka, published in 2010 as Maria Beetle in Japan, uh, the sequel to Grasshopper, which was... Uh, th- called the three assassins in, in the english translation uh 3.75 rating on goodreads so pretty good i think i brought it down did you would you rate it i rated it too oh oh no spoilers <laughs> yeah no spoilers the movie uh released august 5th in theaters directed by david leach who has done atomic blonde deadpool 2 fast and furious Hobbs and shaw of course and a film called nobody uh which stars the Saul goodman mm. actor mm-hmm. uh screenplay by zach okowitz uh, and this film stars a lot of people, so bear with me real quick. Stars Brad Pitt, Joey King, Aaron Taylor Johnson, Brian Tyree Henry, Andrew Koji, Hiroyuki Sanada, Michael Shannon, Bad Bunny, Zazie Beetz, Logan Lerman, and Sandra Bullock, and a cameo from Channing Tatum. Oh, as well as, uh, I forgot, Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Ryan Tomato score 54%, Metacritic 49 So, middle of the road, mediocre, average at best i think anytime channing tatum's on screen you have to deduct like 10 points from the round tomatoes so this is, is pro- that right it's probably like a 64 <laughs> i don't know we'll we'll talk about how we felt about this yeah we will can you give us a quick recap yeah so for the novel bullet train um it follows several hitmen the literary loving tangerine the thomas the tank engine fan lemon and the criminally unlucky the now who's nicknamed ladybug aboard a tohoku shinkashen hyatt train each of them on a different mission interconnected in some way meanwhile the alcoholic former hitman yuchiki kimura boards the train to kill the teenager nicknamed the prince who pushed his son off of a roof and made him comatose his plan fails and the two join the michigas in progress on the train questions of goodness fatalism 
and Who's Who on the animated long-running Thomas and Friends television show <laughs> feature prominently. Yes, I do. Will that is bullet train. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Um, we're going to just jump right into this. Two truths, one lie. Are you ready? I'm ready. Do you know the rules? I know the rules. Okay, good. David Leach, the director of Bullet Train, was a stuntman before becoming a director. Uh, number two, the film was actually not criticized for whitewashing. Um, and number three, Aaron Taylor Johnson is married to a woman over 20 years his senior. So Eric. I, sorry. It's on you. Oh, you okay. Got? So I know this one. So I'll just <laughs> say that, it, well, it's perhaps no surprise. In, Let the people know your process, your, your thinking process here. Okay. So be, I I know that David Leach was actually the stuntman for Brad Pitt. Oh. It was Brad Pitt's stuntman. Okay. So he was indeed a stuntman before he became a director. Mm-hmm. And then I do know that Aaron Taylor Johnson is married to, well, I think she's at least 20 years older than him because he's like 30 and she must be in her 50s. She's one of the Desperate Housewives. Felicity Huffman? Oh, really? Maybe. Um, anyway, she was a... this is Eric's gossip corner over here. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think she's at least 20 years older than him. So mm-hmm. okay. Uh, I believe those are the truths. And then the lie is that this... This film was criticized for whitewashing, as all Little Ends <laughs> joints have been. I guess this and uh, the uh, Scarlett Johansson Ghost in the Shell. Yeah. One of the lost episodes. Yeah. We're two uh, for two on that, I guess. Yes, we are. But so that, yeah, my answer is that it was. You That's the lie. are absolutely 110% correct. Um, it's actually kind of laughable that this got made in today's climate. Yeah, I want to talk about it later. Yeah, but basically, like this entire book is, it's an English translation of like a Japanese novel. Everybody is Japanese, although if you like read into it, the author is like fine. Yeah, he with this. Yeah. Um, probably you know there were to- a couple of funny quotes that uh, I think it was a screenplay guy said that was like, his work is so good that it transcends race. Yeah, so that's a great like yeah defensible quote. <laughs> Well, everyone got paid, you know, if everyone yeah, gets paid, yeah, yeah. then we just, we forget about it. I mean, yeah. Um, I don't, I don't pretend to know like the, the politics in Asia versus like mm-hmm. how Asian Americans yeah. feel about yeah, yeah, being yeah. included in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, you can't, you can't be Brad Pitt without like allowing other people to be Brad Pitt too. Yeah. To be fair. I mean, yeah, <clears throat> I'm sure it would have been a lot more difficult to market this movie in the U S with, uh, you know, maybe people mm-hmm. that the U S market doesn't, isn't familiar with besides Brad Pitt. And right? yeah. So to be fair. Anyway, yeah. Anyways, yeah. So then, yeah, David Leach was a stuntman. Apparently, uh, was his stuntman for like five movies, um, as well as two Jean-Claude Van Damme movies. So, mm. clearly knows his stuff. He was also an uncredited director of John Wick. Um, so, RIP for that. But, clearly, um, has a style similar to it. And, yeah, Aaron Taylor Johnson is married to a woman um, in her 50s and over 20 years older. And I just thought... You know, noth- I have nothing against this. I just thought it was interesting for somebody who's like a p- fairly prominent actor to not be like Leo. You know what I mean? Oh, just a permanent bachelor. <laughs> yeah. And maybe they have an arrangement. Who knows? I mean, maybe they're, maybe he's allowed to do other things outside of the marriage. Oh, I was wrong. Her name is Sam Taylor Johnson. Yeah, it's not, it's it's not Felicity Huffman. It's not Felicity <laughs> Huffman at all. We, is just that gotta, woman, we could clean that up. Is she... In Desperate Housewives, or no, you're thinking of somebody else? She's a British filmmaker and photographer, okay. Samantha Louise Taylor Johnson. So, you know, we're at Little Lens, we are all about love here. 
we don't want to diminish anyone's relationship. I just thought it was interesting. And I thought I should bring it up. Well, you did. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And we have another game here, another segment um, that we're bringing to the table that I think we might continue. We'll see how this goes. Uh, it's called Over Under. Um, the number is 7.5. And the subject, or whatever you want to call it, is Acting Academy Award nominations between all cast members. Okay. All like prominent listed cast members. Yeah. So this would include like the Sandra Bullocks. And all the cameos. Okay. Okay. So Brad Pitt just won his first. I know you're talking about nominations. Yep. I'll try to make this quick. That's okay. I can you just take pick over under. So Brad Pitt just won his first. Um, <coughs> Sandra Bullock has a has one. So that makes two. I know Aaron Taylor Johnson got nominated for Nocturnal Animals. So of the ones I can count, that's three. Uh, uh, Joey King, Brian Tyree Henry. So now, so okay, so I'm like certain about three. I don't think Aaron Taylor Johnson's got any uh, additional nominations. So Sandra Bullock and and this is just acting. This is just acting. Just acting, yeah. I feel like Brad Pitt gets some producer noms. I guess like so three. So like Benjamin Button, he probably would have been nominated for. He probably has some other like. Oh, this is a good over and under number. Thank you. I think I'm going to go under. I think I'm trying to think of like other Sandra Bullock movies that she would have been nominated for. And I feel like before the blind side, she was kind of just in like comedy. She was doing like more co- comedic stuff. Mm-hmm. And then post blind side. I don't know that she's done a whole lot. Um, So I'm thinking, I'm thinking under seven and a half. Is that your final? That's my final. Uh, you are incorrect. Over. It is eight. S- the Am number I is forgetting? eight. No. So no Ryan Reynolds and no Channing Tatum. Correct. I guess I'm just, I'm forgetting Sandra Bullock or Brad Pitt. You're correct. You're incorrect on Aaron Taylor Johnson. He did not have one. Oh. And how many did you say for Brad Pitt? Well, I was, I was, I don't know. I, I know he won. He's won one. Mm-hmm. I think he just won his first. And then. I assume he's been nominated like once or twice before. He's been nominated four times. So that's way more than I thought. I guess like Moneyball. I guess there's a lot more. Yeah, Moneyball. Um, I can list them out here. 12 Monkeys in 1996. Uh, Benjamin Button in 2009. Moneyball in 2012. And then he won for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in uh, 2020. And then Sandra Bullock has two noms. One win. One for Blindside and then one for Gravity. So that's Mm. six. Mm -hmm. And then two nominations from your favorite character don't call me a bro michael shannon oh i forgot he was in this oh one my from God. revolutionary Ro- a road in 2009 and nocturnal animals in 2016 so the nocturnal animals how could you forget your favorite character in this movie don't call me bro <laughs> <laughs> so there you go you lost but i think that was interesting that's disappointing relatively yeah that was good speaking. that was a good game that was a good game um but you lost so over one and on we go. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, please listen to this ad and we will be right back. This episode of the Little Lens podcast is sponsored by the Train Safety Commission. If you think trains will stop if they see a car on the tracks, you're right. They will. About a mile after they hit you. So stop. Trains can't. And we are back. Welcome back to the Little Lens podcast. Thank you for listening to that ad. 
and um, we are going to talk about the literature, the novel, Bullet Train, or as it's known in Japan, uh, Maria, Maria Beetle. Goodness. Um, I'm stumbling through this one. Eric, please help me out. Give me your pitch. So, and I mean this pejoratively, Will. Bullet Train is an execution-dependent property like i think there is an interesting premise to be had here what if a bunch of hitmen were hired to do the same job none of them know it now let's force them into an enclosed space where no one can really escape the other and now again let's put them in a relatively public space where their violence can't be obvious enough to alert the cops or the conductor and boom you have like the bones of a summer movie um give me a star you give me a couple fancy fight sequences a neon cotton candy store strobe light vibe that attracts like Gen Z, like moths to a light. <laughs> and uh, boom, here's $90 million. I think uh, that's what I'm asking for. I That was a little messy. <laughs> no, it's okay. Uh, Listen, I got a lot of money, so it's fine. I, you know, it's, that's how I, that's how I think they approach this. They're yeah. just like, I have a lot of money. Yeah, do whatever you think is cool. It's it's weird because it's like post Brad Pitt Oscar, and he's like, I just want to yeah. like be on a train for. And he's doing this train. character thing. He's got this like new vibe about him. He's like the cool old guy, really in touch with nature and his feelings, being funny and stuff. Yeah, it's definitely like a I've been in therapy movie. You know, mm-hmm. like he's, yeah, he speaks in therapeutic like lingo. I don't know. I think I'm pro like fighting in enclosed spaces. Mm-hmm. Like I think that just like choreography can be cool when it's super claustrophobic and um, whatnot. But that's really just like, that's a martial arts commercial. Yeah. So what I think you have here is like a martial arts commercial to do with what you please mm-hmm. create characters, decide like what the premise is mm-hmm you can keep it or you can throw it away. You know, what's tight is a fucking bullet train. Yeah. It's also a metaphor for a lot of things, but let's, uh, we can dive into that. Um, I don't know, you know, broken, broken males luck. I did want to, um, comment on your, uh, description pejorative. Um, the word that you used. Yeah, I meant it. (laughs) I meant, I had to look it up what it meant. Oh. So uh, just for the audience, um, it means expressing contempt or disapproval. So I yeah. think you used that correctly. With no, I'm not sure. With no due respect. <laughs> uh, here's here's how Bullet Train works. So yeah, I think there is, I agree with you, there is something in the story that could be a cool movie. There, The Bullet Train, right, um, is a cool sort of... <clears throat> unknown entity maybe in the u.s unless you go to tokyo and you experience it and you get the tokyo vibes right you get um but with white people so that well we're doing get afraid of you know (laughs) tokyo of course i mean you have to have the white people in there um and then you have um yeah i mean like cool hand-to-hand combat action sequences and then you know directed by a stuntman who's directed successful movies in the past and it's like you can sort of buy your way into this i think it's i feel like this movie yeah like even taking a step forward into like the package of it like the guy that you know shadow directed john wick the guy that's directed all these cool Mm -hmm. action movies he's making an action movie on a bullet train in tokyo yeah like that idea is cool Mm -hmm. but like taking a step back before you have those pieces in place 
like it's less cool but it's Mm -hmm. still it's still fairly cool and now talking about the novel itself not just the idea of the movie like does this novel speak to you in a way oh this could be this could definitely be these characters are interesting the story is interesting not just the surrounding elements it's weird it's almost like this like my answer to that question was basically like I liked everything better when I didn't see it or read it mm-hmm. when I was just like, okay, you hear, you hear about this, like, okay, the direct, this director, Brad Pitt, bullet train. And like the, the word on the street was like, it's a little Tarantino E, uh, really it's a little like, like there's like action sequences and you read the book and there's like zero action. Yeah. It's all talking. It's all dialogue. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. Actually. I, I think I saw that they, there's a Japanese language play that was mm, adapted mm, from the book. Mm-hmm. And that makes more sense to me because it really is more, there's just so much fucking, sorry, I shouldn't curse. So much dialogue in yeah. this book. It yeah. is like almost all dialogue, yeah. very little action. Um, you know, I, I like open page one thinking like, okay, we're going to get some like fight choreography. It'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. And then we'll translate that to the screen in like a way that's even more interesting and like neon soaked or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's just sort of not here. So I was, I was interested in, were they going to keep all the gabbing or were they going to get down to brass tacks, put on some brass knuckles mm-hmm. and fight it out? Yeah. You know? Um, and then I think also <laughs> the, the character that I like just couldn't deal with was the Prince. Mm. He, really? I, for whatever reason, I just like, I loved him. He's he was so my weird. He's this, so he's like this 14 year old, Machiavellian schemer who uh to steal Chris Evans dialogue in the gray man finds let's let's like what is he oh man why did I set this up why, why did you say he was like uh let's let's find let's find leverage on him and squeeze or something to that effect yeah yeah, yeah. this is sort of exactly Basically. what the prince does he has this like merry band of high school thugs who do stuff for him um he just tries to find ins with people use that for leverage, get them to do what he wants them to do all while smiling and being this like little mm. cute kid, honor student kind of guy. So interesting. I, th- he was by far my favorite character in this book because he, I thought was the most interesting and he had the most interesting, I thought perspective on just life in general and like, like how he would basically manipulate these people so easily. And I, for me reading, I was like, Oh, okay. I can like kind of see this, right. He's this like 14 year old sweet boy, but and nobody would ever expect him to be this like cunning, you know, genius basically. Um, it sort of twists everything in his favor. Um, I don't know. I I thought reading his his parts, I thought were my favorite parts of the book. Yeah, I sort of resented like what are you going off the train. No, no, no. Oh. I liked him being a Machiavellian <laughs> killer. You know, uh, I I kind of like resented the parts where we left the train <laughs> to do like flashbacks about like uh, Kimura's life son their previous encounter yeah mm-hmm. how the prince like set up his little world yeah yeah before the, i like if you're gonna make a, a if you're gonna write a story about a like claustrophobic train ride with a bunch of hitmen trying to do a job keep it do there. that yeah right like what's the if you're gonna make something so narrow don't like venture out because i don't know i feel like you don't know how to push something forward I, anyway mm. um you don't like exposition not when the point is to be like we're trapped on a train with each other and we can't avoid each other. 
because then it's like oh you know he locked himself in the bathroom and then the next chapter is like seven years ago yeah, yeah he yeah. thought about like wow he does kind of jump around a bit but isn't the point of that to sort of provide context to their situation and does it does it like raise the stakes at all if you're a quitter or it tells you that you don't have narrative thrust to figure out what uh, comes next you know? i ain't no quitter um, yeah i don't know I, it's just like my personal preference on that okay and i the prince was like the character that got all of that mm, yeah so i was like okay we're gonna go off the train again because the prince has nothing to do and he's got to tell us more about his previous life or yeah whatever. and it's like okay i get it like i don't need all the backstory i don't like I don't care that you're like tying electrodes to dogs. Did you trying to fry them? Yeah, that was you know that I mean? part was a bit odd. Um, did you like the um, lemon and tangerine and their especially? I can't remember. I think it was lemon. His like affinity to Thomas the Tank Engine. Although in the book it's uh, something else. It's like Thomas and Friends. Right? The same thing. Same thing. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thomas the Tank Engine. Well, I can't believe you don't know this. <laughs> Thomas the Tank Engine is the lead character in uh, the long-running animated show Thomas and Friends, oh, which me. ran from 19, oh, 1984 to 2021. Um, Missed that one. Yeah, I mean that. So that did that was, provide? That was silly. It's right? comedy, right? Yeah. yeah, it was silly. It was a little dumb. Like Tangerine. There's is nothing this... to dive deeper into this. Like, there's no. Is there anything there? With the fruits. Yeah, is Sorry, that's what they call them in the book. The ch- their chapters yeah. are the fruits. Is there anything about Thomas and Friends that mirrors Bullet Train, the story? Well, they're all trains. Besides that, <laughs> they all have their own personalities. Okay. I suppose that's like his like weird way into understanding people. Yeah, <clears throat> um, and that's how he figures out at the end that the prince is in fact the Diesel and mm. not like the nice, yeah, Percival train. Um, I don't know. It's weird. Like, and and I think two in the novel it's maybe i i I will grant you that that the prince is definitely the most interesting person Mm. most interesting character like the way they use leverage and sort of like enter themselves into the story like they don't know what's going on with the hitman they enter that world but the prince like we'll talk about later has like their own reasons for Mm. going to the end of the line yeah also um i thought they were the most like interesting like more like a cipher for the audience than the hitman would be but at the same time i'm just picturing like the actor trying to play the prince mm. and someone just being like you're a little shit like a little tom holland yeah <laughs> and not letting them get away with so much just because it's it's like written in their face that they're yeah they're scheming mm-hmm. if, it seems like easier to play in the book than it would be in the movie so to that end i was interested to see if they could play it off in the yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about you? I was I was all about the prince. Um, I loved his character. I thought he had he was the most interesting based on his just per- perspective and the ways that he would manip- manipulate people for his uh, advantage. Um, and then obviously, like the comedy from Tangerine and Lemon was gonna be important, I think, because they're they're sort of a comedic relief. I didn't really find Naneo or Nanao, however you say it, his character funny or really that interesting. Um, he's very dull. He's just very unlucky. That's yeah. That's sort of character. That's sort of his, yeah, that's sort of his thing. But it's ironic that he goes by Ladybug because right. Ladybug is meant to bring good luck. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I was I was really just interested to see the prince and then the comedic like tandem between Lemon and Tangerine. Um, those are what I was looking forward to most. But yeah. And did you like reading it? 
Not really. Not really. Um, we talked about too. the premise and all that, which was fine, but I thought the reading was at moments like excruciating. That seems a little dramatic, but like 400 page gap best with like six characters who all talk exactly the same way. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I will say that I appreciated about the book was that all at the beginning of every chapter, they had like the nine train cars on the Hyatt and they shadowed in which train cars that like that chapter took place in. Mm-hmm. So it was like, that was a helpful way to visualize who was moving where. Yeah. Yeah. Because with only nine train cars, you would assume people would like run into each other, but then you could at least like see where they were moving and yeah, how yeah. maybe they didn't interact with each other. So that was a nice little, like that's an interesting trick. call out because, um, yeah, obviously I noticed that as well when I was reading, it was helpful. I wonder if like his book club or whatever, his writing group, people were like i don't know where the fuck this person is at the time like you need to have some sort of way to tell them and you can't just say that in car seven yeah lemon runs into naneo or whatever yeah i agree i I think in the movie they i think they're like the numbers are maybe like very visible Mm -hmm. so it's more obvious but yeah in the book you would just be like I, even if you read it the last chapter, I think it would be really hard to remember who's where. Yeah, definitely. Without it being very obvious. Um, I don't know. I, I just like... Everyone talked the same. Everybody had their like one character trait that was just like hammered into your skull. Like, mm-hmm. oh, Lemon is dumb and he likes Thomas and friends. <laughs> uh, Tangerine is tall and he likes Anna Karina and literature because mm-hmm. he's smart. He knows what he's doing. The now is young, has black frame glasses, mm-hmm. and is very unlucky. Oh no! Yeah, they kind of repeat the same things over and like, over again. I, like until your head starts to scream, and you just want to like take a liquid IV to make the headache go away. That's what how kind mo- of liquid? Liquid IV, like a hangover. Care. I know, but like oh, like uh, water. Yeah, well, I think there's <laughs> things called liquid IVs. Don't ask me follow-ups. Uh, I just, <sighs> yeah, I don't know. It got exhausting. It got exhausting, and then I didn't is a me problem i don't like it when books like this which are meant to be in one place it's called bullet train will Mm. why do we need like half the book in the streets of like various cities i don't know if you have to ask maybe if it was called like maria beetle it would make more sense yeah maybe um i don't know i just wanted to like be in a confined space with a confined space you know every Mm -hmm. time you leave it to me you're just admitting that you don't have enough juice to go forward yeah um, you think you have to go back to go forward and well despite what matthew mcconaughey says in his lincoln ads you don't have to go back to go forward <laughs> the only time you have to go back to go forward is when you shift your car into drive. i disagree i think you do have to go back to go forward so <laughs> the only time you have to go back to go forward is to put your car in drive right. put that on a pillow <laughs> okay um well congrats on you finished it i did not finish it uh as a confession so congrats to you it is 415 or 20 pages it's big so it is exhausting to get through like all that dialogue i got like maybe three quarters of the way through uh before this podcast for the same reasons um although i i enjoyed reading the prince's parts so i think that gives it gives it a little more juice for me like i would probably rate it a three or something but I had sort of the same thoughts. You rated um, a three, but you had to stop reading it. it. Yeah. Come on, <laughs> it's at a three right now. That's what I, that's oh, what I'll boo. say. Yeah, I mean, part part of this book too was like kind of confusing. Like Nanao, who 
I guess is sort of like our anchor character in, in a certain mm-hmm. way. Yeah. He just has no idea what's going on at any point. Yeah. And Maria, his handler, he, he'll talk to on the phone sort of like tells him stuff, but they're never certain really about anything. Mm-hmm. And that's goes through the entire book. Like even at the end, you're really not sure. I'll can spoil it for you later, but mm-hmm. really not sure like who did what and why he's even on the train yeah. who, who like invited him to do this job. Mm-hmm. It's just a lot of uncertainty and, ends that like close but without us knowing like why or how yeah um and i don't know it was it was like a pretty like stupid inoffensive book but like of all the books that we have to read this one just like made me eye roll for Mm. hours and you read it on a train correct for at least part of it yeah i meant to talk to you about that i don't know why i made a bullet train real Oh, did you? Didn't use my bullet train reel. Did you post it? No. Did I miss it? You posted it. You went too fast. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Uh, It was going to be great. You'll never see it. (laughs) We should post it. I'll post it. Um, Yeah. I I would recommend reading it on a train. That was kind of fun. Okay. So. Were you like like envisioning other people on the train? Like, oh, shit, that guy might be a fucking lemon or tangerine. Were there any like people like that? I think people were looking at me being like, (laughs) that's that's <laughs> sick why is this guy fucking looking at me yeah like uh people reading like airplane books on the airplane you know what i mean mm, yeah so i think they were pretty jealous they're just like wow that's a great idea i, w- I would have been super and then they jealous. saw me filming like my reel and they were like wow that, is, <laughs> that kid is committed well i'm glad you had a good experience it sounds like you had fun thank you um i think that wraps it up for the literature We're going to take a quick break and we're going to play you the trailer for the movie right now. Hi, there's a gun. Shh, it's the quiet car. Can't use your small inside voice in here, son. There's a gun. I am ready. You are getting the new and improved me. Because if you put peace out in the world, you get peace back. I think you might be forgetting what you do for a living. Take the gun. Every job I do, somebody dies. I'm not that guy anymore. Some conflicts require a gun. Hey, this is nice. What am I snatching and or grabbing? A briefcase. You said you wanted simple for your first job back. Doesn't get simpler. You stab me? We're ruining your life the way you ruin mine. Dude, I don't even know you. There's nothing simple about this job. Something else going on here. Yeah, I'm not the only one on this train looking for this case. Lemon, hmm. where's the briefcase? Oh, it's not shit. It was just there. We are right on schedule. Everything that's ever happened to you. This is gonna sting, bitch! Oh. Has led you here. 
wait. That's a shit deal. Oh, no, thank you. You know what? Do you have um, anything sparkling? That's the one. Thank you. Domo arigato. Sure you want to talk this out? Not particularly, no. Uh, okay. Exclusively in movie theaters. And we are back. Thank you for listening to the trailer for Bull Train. Um, Eric, will you learn us something, please? Will, what if I told you that on the fictional island of Sodor, on the Northwestern Railway, overseen by Sir Topham Hatt, a.k.a. the Fat Controller, several anthropomorphized steam locomotives did work. Thomas, Edward, Henry, Gordon, James, Percival, Toby, and that mischievous diesel run north and south, east and west, just trying to be, quote, really useful engines. Sound wholesome? Sound carbon forward? Well, welcome to the world of Thomas and Friends, the television show that ran for 24 seasons from 1984 to 2021. It has since been rebooted. Nothing is holy. <laughs> the show is actually a little lens joint as it is based on the railway, the railway series, a set of 42 books, the first of which published in 1945. Created by the Reverend Wilbur Audrey, who wrote 26 of the books, his son Christopher continued the legend, writing 16 more until his death in 2011. Without them... Well, there would be no Thomas and Friends, and the world may have actually gone greener sooner. I thought that we were done with Thomas and Friends, <laughs> <laughs> but now we just unpacked the entire history. Now we got to talk about it. Uh, you, you're never really done with Thomas and Friends. I think <laughs> it's it chooses to be done. Did with you, you watch it as a kid? I did. I had. I'm pretty sure I had like Thomas themed like items, like uh, like a train set or maybe just like t-shirts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Did, did you feel any affinity when you were reading? No. Frankly, I didn't remember any of the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, so, no. Okay. I'm, you know, Thomas seems like a nice guy. Big, big he seems nice. Shirt. Diesel seems less nice. So. But that's interesting. It is, friends, listeners, like so much Thomas. It's a lot. If you've yeah. seen the movie, if you it, like, if you've seen the movie and get annoyed by how much Thomas there is, it, like, multiply it by like 45 (laughs) it's a lot it is so much thomas yeah um thank you i appreciate you actually looking that up and bringing that to our listeners so we also talked before the episode we didn't know what to do for future seasons of little lands Mm -hmm. i think we just do thomas and friends (laughs) there are 45 books this is the end of the little (laughs) lands podcast (laughs) oh god can you imagine uh no no i could not (laughs) all right so Thank you for learning something about Thomas and Friends. Are you ready to talk about the adaptation? Uh, size. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, how would you describe it? Literal, loose, or reimagined? I think this is probably like a like a loose, but like on the continuum, literal, close to literal. Yeah, I would say I would agree. It's uh pretty damn close, honestly. Although at the very end, the film like totally goes off the rails nice um but it's very similar all the character names are the same like the plots are almost identical Mm -hmm. there's a couple of key differences which we'll talk about in a second but um a little literal loose loosey-goosey maybe loosey-goosey it's like it's in tone and 
it's got a lot of action sequences. It's probably a little bit funnier, which we'll talk about in a second. You thought it was funny? Funnier. Like, more comedic. In tone. The attempt. Did you laugh more reading or watching? Well, that's not fair. (laughs) I didn't laugh at all. (laughs) Zero laughs at all. I chuckled when I saw Channing Tatum, but that was it. Okay, all right. That's fair. Okay, sorry. Keep going. No, you want to talk about some of the differences? Yeah, which one? Size of the Train? Yes, you Size of the Train. Um because I think that's it's a short one, but it's I think it's kind of interesting. So in the book there are nine cars. In the film there are sixteen. Mm-hmm. Ten are like passenger cars and six are yeah. first class. Um you know. I th- yeah, I, it's interesting, like why make that change? I think it's much harder to hide on a smaller car. True. So if it's nine dude, it must it would have been so easy for Tangerine and Lemon to find anybody they wanted to like yeah, they just probably. had to go up and down yeah and just like n- whatever knock off one two three and then mm-hmm. and there were like empty compartments there were empty trains compartments or whatever you want to call them yeah it wasn't that full of a train yeah i think the and train the- is more full in the movie I is it okay i yeah. think there is more people well the scene with bad bunny and brad pitt they f- just fight and it's, oh, like, it's a- like a cafe car yeah there's just nothing in there there's a bar but nobody there that was one of the silly things too where i get the idea that like you don't want to draw attention to yourself but like it's all dudes with guns and like yeah. fighting and there's that one woman in the quiet car who's like shushes them like yeah, four yeah. or five times when they're beating each other up like next to each other yeah it's funny i mean i think they they could have been a little more creative with that stuff um but anyways yeah the size of the, the size of the train is an interesting maybe it's 16 like now Maybe that's like the normal standard size. So maybe that's why they did it. But yeah. I certainly think longer train makes it more realistic that people could hide from each other or not run into each other or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just want to bring that up because I was like, you know, if we're, if we're going to do this, let's let's do it all the way. <laughs> um, the second one I want to talk about was humor. Just, and we've talked about this enough probably what humor? before. Like the main players in the book, I feel like were just sort of dopey Mm -hmm. like they were they were just dumb tangerine was supposed to be smart but he couldn't find the now like all story yeah and you know they both left the they're transporting um this character minigashi's son and they both leave him and the kid gets murdered and they come back and like oh shit this kid's been Mm -hmm. murdered they just like they just do like dumb stuff i do i feel like in the movie they become zanier a little bit more like they really try very hard to be funny yeah uh ladybug like talks in the language of therapy he says let this be a list let this be a lesson in the toxicity of anger Mm -hmm. hurt people hurt people i don't know brad pitt's like performance really really strains like your whatever humor box yes i i appreciate the attempts at the humor um I actually found the book to be more humorous and maybe it was just because I don't know. The actors didn't pull it off. Um, I thought the lemon and tangerine was probably the better of the comedy, um, yeah. but still not the best. I don't know. I just, I, I don't know. I did not find it funny. I thought the tone, I thought, I thought the tone of this movie should have been totally different. Um, Brad Pitt was aggressively unfunny. He was, I mean, it was, it was bad. Yeah. He got way overpaid for this movie. Um, 
Yeah. I actually read that it was supposed to be like a very hard R, like that's what I would violent have preferred, movie. Yeah. And then in the filming of it, they just sort of like made it goofy. Yeah. For some reason, obviously going for like the action comedy kind of thing. But yeah. I don't know. I think that's in vogue now. Like the, the Thors, the, mm. uh, Deadpool's right. I mean, this was still pretty gory and violent. Yeah. Um, so I think they were probably going for that sort of tone, but I don't know. It just didn't, I don't know. It didn't really work for me. They missed. They, <laughs> nice. It was not funny. Nice. Um, yeah. Didn't the humor did not wash over me. So do we want to talk about the whitewashing, which did wash over both of us? Pretty. We can. Do you feel like we talked about this enough already? Um, I don't know. I had this year. I, we can talk about it. If you want. Yeah. But th- I mean, we already mentioned like, this was a whitewashed movie. Yeah. <laughs> that might be all we really need to say. It bears mentioning. I yeah. Think, for, for, I just find it interesting that they still are making these. Um, maybe they just don't care. Like they're making too much money. They don't care about the criticisms. I don't know. I mean, it's, I haven't seen a, maybe I haven't seen a whitewashed movie like this in a while. I just thought it was, it's so blatantly whitewashed that they changed, uh, Neneo to Brad Pitt. Mm hmm both tangerine and lemon to a black guy and a white guy yeah maria Beatles' character to sandra bullock yeah um the wolf bad bunny is puerto rican correct yeah that's not technically whitewashing but it's changing his ethnicity it's so like hollywood that, hollywood diverse yeah you it's know? definitely a diverse movie i mean there are still asian characters in this yeah but the fact that it is an asian story that they made that they kept in asia I feel like they, they made it they... more Asian by having the like that cartoon character who like walks through. They did have those elements. That's true. Um, it was like a, like a Hello Kitty type of like. Uh, yeah. It was a stuffed animal, but it was like a, it, a person was inside of it. Yeah. The hornet was inside. Yeah. Spoilers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you know, this is this is certainly a, a hot topic for 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 people today. And it certainly bears mentioning. I would you have preferred it not to have been whitewashed? Like, do you think it would have been a better movie is what I'm trying to say? Not if it was trying to be funny like this. <laughs> like if it was trying to be funny like this, I just don't make it. Yeah, that's fair. It's just like, what a waste of $90 million of all yeah. the things that I mean, like anybody could spend $90 million on. You, you did the, like this. Was to what be you fair, did. it's actually made profit. I mean, the box office has been over a hundred and yeah. something million. I guess the people, that's what the people wanted. Yeah, just not us people. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, goddamn. <laughs> you can God make three it. movies for $90 million. Yeah, you definitely could. Art house, but that nobody fucking sees. Yeah. I did see Matt Damon on Hot Ones. He was talking about like the death of the like adult dramas. And he was basically saying that it's hard to make a $30 million movie right now because you have to double it for advertising and marketing. So your right. your thirty million dollar movie is automatically a sixty million dollar movie, but it's so like narrowly focused that you're not going to make sixty million dollars. I feel like they don't market movies anymore. Do you think? Do you really get like that many trailers when you're watching TV and stuff? It's really for like the movie Beast, like Idris Elba, like these kinds yeah. of movies are marketed to people now. And maybe I'm not like the demographic that's getting them. It's not on TikTok, you know. Yeah, apparently. I might have it, but I don't, I'm not on it. There, I mean, a couple of years ago, there used to be like 
prestige like trailer drops. It was like, yeah. oh, halftime at the college, you know, national championship yep. game. We're gonna play you Cloverfield. Yeah, like, oh fuck yeah, I gotta see that. Yeah, and now I don't think it's quite that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, COVID definitely had an effect on that, but still, it's it, it, that's an interesting sort of perspective, though. That you, I mean, people, you could make those movies just not for thirty million. It's not gonna be hiring Matt Damon. It's gonna be hiring the guy who's not Matt Damon, right? Like yeah, or the, Matt Damon doesn't doesn't get paid like Matt Damon. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah. So Brad Pitt wanted his full money, and that's why this movie became ninety million. Yeah, because he didn't want to beat this dumb character probably probably i mean that's probably what happened it's like i can't really say no to this it's my buddy david leach he really wants me i'm gonna gouge your eyes out and make you pay the full price baby like that's fair yeah you know what i mean yeah studio, and plus he's got it's good for it he's got that uh angelina jolie like uh settlement or i don't know if it's like a settlement but oh. he's in like hot waters with whatever's going on there but I think he's probably good financially. If he's not, then there's, he probably- <laughs> there's worse, worse problems. That's probably true. Um, let's move on to The White Death, Eric. So the book, Minigishi, right? Yep. Uh, is our White Death stand-in. He's only interested in the fruits, getting his son back to him. And then the film, The White Death, is a Russian uh, assassin who kills Minig- Minigishi to take over his empire. He's invited all these people on this train to kill each other. So... I feel like this is your, if you're going to talk about whitewashing, probably this is like the thing to point to. Mm. There's no reason. Yeah. We didn't mention why Michael Shannon. Michael Shannon needed to be like the white death. Yeah. Unless that's like some sort of like, Oh, you get it. It's like, he's like white death. I don't he's know. White, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't think the movie like really is going for that kind of thing. So it's, it's strange, but mm-hmm. like no reason this person needed to be like a Russian assassin who infiltrated like Minigishi's, gang crew killed him took over the empire there's no reason that needed to happen it could have just been mm-hmm. an Asian guy. anyway so obviously white death doesn't exist in the book um i think the the big change here however is that the filmmakers decided instead of minigishi just contracting the fruits to get his son back to him safely after he was like captured in in a warehouse somewhere mm-hmm. being tortured he white death has orchestrated everything he's invited yeah. all of these people on this train so they could all kill each other yeah. and then he would win um the only mistake he made was getting uh ladybug who's very unlucky because what he really wanted was carver mm-hmm. his wife's killer mm-hmm. but carver who had a stomach thing <laughs> he had a stomach fuck. Couldn't, couldn't make it. Couldn't make the train. So unlucky ass Brad Pitt, Ladybug, is the one who's on here. Yeah. So I, I think it makes a bit more sense just to like I don't know if it makes more sense or not. To bring all these characters in to kill each other so he can so they can all die, basically. And I'm the white death, you know. He sense. he want he basically wanted his son to die. Yeah. He wanted Lemon and Tangerine to die. Cause they, I think, cause they fucked up a job, or there was something that he had revenge about them. I think in, during the Bolivia job, they did something to him, or like you know, him is broadly like his him uh, or his, his empire or whatever. Yeah. yeah, and then his son went to jail and was getting bailed out of jail by his wife, who didn't want to wait for the White Death to get in the car mm-hmm. because the hit was actually supposed to be on him, but mm-hmm. because he wasn't there, only she died. 
Yeah. So he blames his son for making his wife leave yeah. faster than she was supposed to. Yeah. Carver obviously was the one that did the hit. Um, and that was supposed to be the person he invited on the train instead of Brad Pitt. Yeah. And then the wolf is there for a different reason. It's quite a complex narrative. So there's a lot. A little bit, yeah. It's, yeah. it's not really clear everybody's motivation, especially uh, the Hornet. Like, we don't know anything about her. And in the book, especially, the Hornet is, like, introduced halfway through. And it's like, oh, the Hornet might be on here, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, okay. Like, oh, oh, new character. Cool. Yeah. That's cool. So I guess sort of like that in the movie also. Like, the Hornet is a last yeah. half. Thrown in sort of at the end. Yeah. But, like, what's her motive? What's her motivation to kill all these people? Just, like, for money or just for pleasure? Like, we don't know anything about her. So the, yeah, the wolf is there to kill the Hornet because the Hornet killed his, killed his entire family. Everybody. <laughs> at his wedding yeah with uh boom slaying venom from the snake yeah 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 um fuck what is the motivation i don't think i don't know if she has one she doesn't she just like starts fighting brad pitt yeah because she tries to kill him he figured out who she was yeah um because it was in the wolf's like pocket was a picture of her yeah i don't i don't remember what the yeah me neither anyway the white death uh his motivation it's just to orchestrate chaos. Yeah. Right. Um, it, it's, it's like it, I guess it's more convenient to have everybody there and kill them all and for them to figure out how they're all related and do it like that. But it's also like very unwieldy because now we can't remember yeah. like why the Hornet was there. Why can't you just kill them all separately? You obviously got them all on the train. Why can't you just do it all but Carver? And you're now you're causing thing. this whole scene. Right? Yeah. Then you're killing in the, a very everybody in a very public place it's gonna be on the news but then he bought all the train tickets and so the train was <laughs> empty by the end that's true uh where the police aren't gonna investigate oh who bought all these train tickets that's weird yeah the white death oh they're super cheap it's <laughs> covid nobody wanted to ride the train that's right um i don't know yeah it's 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 sort of a a, a mumbling bumbling stumbling uh narrative with a lot going on and yeah he, he definitely did not need to be russian i mean i guess there's an aspect of like an outsider this sort of like makes him less worthy of taking the top spot as a Tokyo or maybe ja- a whole entire Japan, like cr- criminal syndicate. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it certainly makes, you know, as a, as an American, it makes him more scary. Right. Cause we're afraid of the Russians and, and he's a that. scary person like Michael. He's, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, it's enough to just, I think it's just enough to say that this person is a, crime boss this is the head honcho like that comes that carries with it like weight do you think this changes like if my if like say david leach is at dinner right and he's like with michael shannon like hey i've got this new project called bullet train like i i like it but i you know i really want you to you know play somebody in this he's like who am i gonna play they're all like asian characters i'm not gonna do yellow face right like he's like, well what if we just change your character to russian like, do you think that's a possibility? Like, cause, cause there is no real narrative benefit for making him Russian, right? But do you think this is something that's just like changed to make it fit the circumstance? Like how Hollywood in the eighties always made the Russians, the bad guys. Cause we were in the cold war. Yeah. Yeah. And now yeah. There's another war. So Rocky to, four. Like, right. Yeah. Maybe another theory. This is like an Adam Sandler movie in which mm. Brad Pitt is just getting all his boys Let's hang out in Tokyo. Studio will yeah. pay. Let's just have a good time. Who cares if the movie's bad? Yeah, we're just going to have a great time making it. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I mean, this is filmmaking. This is not like 
anything really important. It's like let's just have a, I like kind of like Adam Sandler's. I kind of dig his. It's a good vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Like make, let's make bad movies, but like let's hang out together and have a good time. But like this movie, people watch them. Yeah. They're like fuck yeah, Jack and Jill. I'll watch that. <laughs> Fire that up. You think Michael Shannon and Brad Pitt are boys? They like hang out. They seem maybe. Like yeah. I bet Brad Pitt is has a lot of friends. Yeah, definitely. I feel like Michael Shannon is probably super charismatic. He seems like a guy who's like probably really funny at a bar. Did you ever watch him read that the sorority? Oh yeah. Letter. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Was that um college humor or whatever? Funny uh, or die. Funny or die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was hysterical. Yeah. That was, that was like college. I think we were in college when that happened. Yeah. Uh, anyway, shout out Michael. Michael, yeah, Shannon. Michael Shannon. All uh, right. So next difference, the Prince. Yeah. So we mentioned the book version, 14 year old Japanese kid, manipulative sociopath, et cetera, et cetera. He, his leverage is basically, um, he pushes Kimura's son off of a roof and Wataru and Wataro is comatose mm-hmm. and he's being watched in the hospital by one of the prince's thugs and every like couple of minutes every like half an hour the thug calls him and if the prince doesn't answer in 10 calls then the instructions are to kill Wataru so he uses that to basically control Kimura who he doesn't know was going to be on this train but then like captures him and ties him up and then gets him to do his bidding and his basic um, idea is to use Kimura to kill Minigishi Minigishi, um, because Minigishi slighted him once upon a time. Mm -hmm. He called him on the phone and was like, hey, stop messing with like that lawyer guy you're messing with and hung up. The kid, his kid and the dog. Yeah. And uh, the prince didn't like that. He took that personally like Michael Jordan. And uh, now he's going to go kill him by using Kimura and an exploding gun. Yeah. That's the Prince book in the Prince it Prince in the movie, obviously gender and race flip similar backstory, similar way. She's going to use Kimura like Wataru is still comatose in the hospital bed. Um, but instead she is actually the daughter of the white death. Mm hmm. In the book, the White Death only has a son, and the son is killed. In the movie, this is a reveal that he has a daughter. Mm-hmm. And she, instead of wanting to kill him for a very like stupid reason, which is basically like, oh, you didn't take me seriously. Yeah. She wants to kill him because she felt like he didn't give her enough like love and attention as a youth. And which explains why she's like a murdering sociopath. Yeah. So Yeah. yeah I uh I actually didn't mind this change. I um I don't know. I thought it, I thought it worked. I thought she was good. I um I liked the reveal at the end that she was. I kind of bought that. Like, sure, you grow you grow up in this criminal syndicate family, you're going to be fucked up probably. Yeah. Right. And I could sort of buy that she would want to kill her father. Um, I thought it was funny that she kept the name the prince and not the princess. Um, but I thought it was that's like that aids itself to a good joke that they use where it's like, oh yeah, my father wanted a boy. So you know, haha, very funny. Um, so you did laugh. I did love you. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I mean, it works. I had no real issue with it. I, I don't know if it really, it brought the reveal sort of at the end. So in that sense, it brought something that was like interesting to the narrative, but 
Um, yeah. What do you think? I think this was a good change. I thought the in the book the book version of Prince was very like stupid. I guess it goes with his character of being like uh, not taken seriously by so many people in his life. But I just I thought it was kind of silly. Yeah. It would be hard to pull off this character, I think. Yeah. The book character in this movie. Um, somebody who manipulates every single body, every single person. I will say that she, it was a little bit unbelievable the way, um, uh, I forgot his name, the character that just is following him around, following her around. Oh, Kimura? Kimura, yeah. Kimura. I just thought, like, he, his character was horrible in this movie. He was like a quote-unquote drunk, right? But he yeah. was, it looked like he was, He'd woke up, woken up from a three-day bender and was just kind of like limping around and like hunched over the whole time, like slurring his words. It was just kind of an odd character. Um, so I do miss the aspect of the prince from the book and this, the way that you can believe that they are manipulating people. Um, but I thought she was good. I thought her character was good. It's Besides it's, that. It's sort of like, I, I guess more like in the book, Kimura is... Kimura is the first person we meet and so he sort of becomes the de facto main character and it's like that in the movie until very like early on you're like okay well actually this is a Brad Pitt movie yeah and this person who theoretically is the main character who's supposed to like who we're supposed to explore the world through like just gets pushed off to the side and then as a like a drunk with a comatose kid he really has nothing to do he's very like empty unless he becomes audience cipher which he's not so i feel like he was kind of done a little bit dirty yeah but even being an audience cipher is not like a a really good personality it's just sort of like congratulations you exist (laughs) and you're just gonna be confused the whole time yeah um yeah so it happened it was there moving on this is the end final sequence final sequence buckle up baby because there's a lot yeah so in the book the train stops everyone but kimura and naneo are dead hornet kills minigishi naneo escapes with maria um film uh lemon kimura's kimura and ladybug team up to take down the white death fight on uh, the runaway train the crashes um the white death uh, blows himself up by shooting his gun that was rigged by his daughter so it like backfires basically into his brain prince gets hit by a car um driven by um lemon or tangerine excuse me lemon no it's tangerine tangerine he was driving a he was driving a tangerine truck oh it was lemon yeah. though. excuse me see i'm getting confused <laughs> kimura and Neneo and maria escape cgi fart fast <laughs> and don't call me bro this is what eric wrote in <laughs> I mean, the, so what'd you think? What'd you like? I thought the the film was a CGI fart fest. I thought it yeah, was pretty bad. horrendous looking. Um, you can, I mean, it, it like metaphorically and literally jumps the tracks. Like yeah. they decide instead of at the last stop to stop, they fucking go. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, man, like it looked horrible. Um, it was like the stupidest parts of the movie to me all occurred in this final sequence mm-hmm. where um, the white death gets like challenged to a fight by the elder Kimura who comes on the train like a little bit before to check on his like son's condition. Um, the elder Kimura fought 
the white death when the white death first took over like the minigishi syndicate and lost and now like 20 years later he's like hey bro we want to go again now that i'm older i'm probably gonna lose even worse but let's do it Mm -hmm. yeah yeah. and then he is losing they get like jostled he ends up like cutting the white death in half yeah like hot dog style (laughs) yeah uh for lack of a better word uh but like not killing him and then the white death who gets the like leg up on ladybug blows himself up in the face yeah, yeah. after for some godforsaken reason yelling don't call me bro <laughs> yeah <laughs> it made no sense yeah uh he deserved to die i don't know it was very strange he was like cut in half yelling don't call me bro and shoot it like sh- shot a, a rigged gun yeah i mean at the end brad pitt is doing his like oh come on bro like just chill out like we just crashed this bullet train like just take a chill pill take a break and he's like don't call me bro which is he's like so amped up tied to nothing which how did also how did nobody escape with like a scratch i mean a, a bullet train which goes very fast right crashes into a town yeah through buildings but everybody's uh okay so there's a there remember there was that the sequence when that happens brad pitt is like flying slow motion through the train and then he crashes into that inflatable like japanese character oh yeah, yeah and yeah. that's his sort of like pillow yeah so it's another comedic thing i actually forgot about that it was yeah i mean it was really funny so you probably i probably <laughs> uh probably missed that one yeah just like a, a cgi slow motion it was a lot and then uh maria beetle sandra bullock arrives takes him away my wife watched five minutes of this movie and she showed up at the very end when Sandra Bullock showed up and all she had to say was, what is that hair? <laughs> and then left. <laughs> and uh, I feel like that's the Sandra Bullock experience in this movie. Yeah. I kind of agree. She, she looked odd. She did look odd. I think she did one day of work. She, she probably Absolutely. Re- recorded her voice. <laughs> she was yeah. in one scene. <laughs> she might've done like four hours of work. How much do you think she got paid? Probably 10, 10, 15 million. Oh my God. No way. She probably <laughs> took some of Brad's money. You think Brad paid her? Do you think she, do you think neither of them got paid in like she was, he was in the lost city with Channing Tatum. Dinner he was Radcliffe in that? And her. Brad Pitt was in that? Mm-hmm. Oh, he's in the trailers. Oh. So do you think like, I don't know how much he's in. I haven't seen it. They must be, they must all be friends. Though. Do you think he was like, I'll do this. If you get oh. free, if you become Maria, maybe interesting. Like a one for him, one for her. Yeah. 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 I don't know. They must all be buddy, buddy. They have yeah. to. They probably live nearby in their same like Hollywood Hills, Belvoir Hills, and some bullshit. Um, yeah. So, basically, my read on this is that like the ending of the movie had to be spectacle because mm-hmm. the end of the book was like the train parks. Uh, Nanao meets up with Maria. Minigishi, who's there, gets mysteriously killed by the Hornet who in the book maybe two people maybe one we're not mm-hmm. sure mm-hmm. i think it's probably two uh and then they just like leave and later he sees tangerines and lemon like a coupon for tangerines and lemons and it makes him feel sad yeah uh i think like if you're gonna make a 90 million dollar blockbuster summer blockbuster you, you gotta something. crash the train yeah yeah <laughs> i think you just have to crash the train. yeah i mean it's a metaphor right yeah going off the tracks as the plan did yeah um so. So if you're going to do that, I don't know. It's just, it's like very rote, like blockbuster stuff. You crash the train. Nobody can die on the train because then they couldn't like react later to, you know, 
mm-hmm. have their final. It's not enough to have a showdown on the train that crashes. Then you have to have another showdown after the train crashes to really do a showdown. Yeah. So like they could like, I don't know. It's like, because you have to crash the train for no reason other than you have money to light on fire and like visual effects people to overwork. <laughs> you can't just, you have, have to pay. That, right. You, yeah. I guess you do, but it didn't bring anything to the story. It, it brought the story to a literal and metaphorical halt. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like there's like it did nothing happen. They were already having a showdown. They crashed a train and then had the showdown again. Yeah. Yeah. There's like pause for a second. It wasn't even a, with the, he just shot himself again in the head, basically. Who? The the White Death. That was the last show. Oh, right. And then the prince gets hit by the truck. Yeah. Before I she, guess, yeah. She had the machine, like, big machine gun. Yeah, oh, that's true, yeah. Fry people with. Yeah, yeah. And then the, like, light post falls on uh, Sandra Bullock's car. car. Yeah, uh, was it an Audi? Or it was, like, something. Or BMW? Also, so there was product placement. There was a lot of product placement in this movie. There was, I think it was Audi. It could have been BMW, but I think it was Audi. It's probably Audi, yeah. yeah. Um, and then there was uh, the part, the montage with Bad Bunny in the beginning. There was this part where his boss, I think, is like having a beer and he's like perfectly holding the yeah. car on the label. Yes. <laughs> it's just like, wow, that's a little too perfect. Like, can we not make this a little less perfect? Did you, were you drinking a less obvious while you watched the movie? No, I, uh, had a coca-cola i wanted to keep it american (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah so would you think or did you do you think that this adaptation was successful yes this is bullet train a blah book turned into frankly a a worse movie congratulations to everyone involved uh whose new year's resolutions were obviously to say yes to more things Mm, um also, congratulations to taking $90 million and putting it in a bank account <laughs> and collecting interest. Uh, good for you. Uh, I think it. those people would say thank you very much. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I uh, I actually agree 100% with what you just said. So I don't have any other notes uh, other than um, I concur because um, I think you said it beautifully. Thank so you. hot takes. Um is Channing Tatum okay? I don't think so. Is he is he doing well? I think he's back. Is right? he back? He was in The Lost City. He was in Dog, which I didn't watch because he, that because it looks bad. Die. I think the dog's gonna die at the end. You can't make a movie called Dog and not have yeah, the dog probably. die. I just I'm not. I don't need that energy. Was The Lost City good? I, didn't, you? I haven't seen it. Okay. Uh, I don't know what else he's done. He was in this yeah <laughs> a very unfortunate like is this the sex stuff yeah he had a good line like that's a good funny line i just didn't think he did it well mm. it was tough it was like a tough i don't know why he has to do the buzz cut look like yeah i, I feel like he has a, a good head of hair yeah like why can't he look like john cena <laughs> <laughs> is that what we want people know. to look like i'm not sure john cena's hair is like so fake anyway um <laughs> Yeah, well, I I don't think Channing Tatum would have been better than Brad Pitt, but it, you can sort of see the, like, they're all sort of the same person. Like, Ryan Reynolds, Channing Tatum, all these, mm, like, sort of, like, handsome, goofy mm-hmm. dudes who lead these 
huge franchises franchises movies yeah. like chris hemsworth is sort of like a different version of that because he's like extremely cut mm-hmm. but yeah they are all yeah what That's we need to do point. is come up with like the evolution of like you know those like uh like scientific charts that chart the evolution of man from uh-huh. like caveman the to hominids like and the, yeah. what we need to do is do a chart like that for hollywood leading men that's basically like how do you get from <laughs> danny devito danny devito to like the rock <laughs> yeah yeah and just like watch them rise <laughs> and explain how they're slightly different interesting because there's a, like channing tatum and ryan reynolds and chris hemsworth are like they're like one step of evolution different you know it's like a homo sapien to homo sapien sapien. Where would you rank them on this uh, scale? Chris Hemsworth is closest to The Rock. And then I think probably like, probably Ryan Reynolds is one evolutionary step beneath that. Really? And then Channing Tatum is beneath that. Because Channing Tatum is, is like dumber. Yeah. Than Ryan Reynolds. And I don't think he's as funny. He can be funny, but he's not as funny. Ryan Reynolds is hilarious. Yeah. He can be really fucking funny. That's why I don't think Chris Hemsworth is like maybe maybe Ryan Reynolds isn't in this. Maybe it goes from Channing Tatum to Chris Hemsworth. Maybe there are different like yeah. this is like the macho, funny guy, yeah, scale. And then there's like a attractive, skinny, but also funny and a good actor scale for Brad Pitt and Ryan Reynolds or something like that. Like Dev Patel. There are different lanes for each one. I feel like a like a Dev Patel and a Adam Driver. That'd be interesting. Like real actors. Maybe what we need to do hair. is like, is like randomly generate a Hollywood actor, generate two, and do and like explain how they are biologically related via like Hollywood. This has gotten pretty deep, but I, I think I'm in on this. Uh, anyway, what's your hot take? Uh, I think we should just ban CGI for a little while, or at least <laughs> consider putting some like offending companies in timeout for their like really abysmal work. Like who oversees these people that put this movie into the world and put gray man into like, what, what are we going to do about them? <laughs> That's what I want to know. Should we replace them or I don't, I bet I think they should all be fired or given like time to nap and just rest for a year. Yeah. There, there have been articles that have come out that have basically called Hollywood like the, I don't know what they've called them, but basically they're overworking these CGI people. Yeah. Well, um, every movie needs CGI now. So they're just yeah. like constantly, maybe we just need to hire more people, you know, like, uh, there probably aren't that many people who do CGI. That's probably the issue. It's a, that's an incredibly like specific field to be in. What do you do? Oh, I do CGI for the movies. Like I've n- it's art, babe. <laughs> it is art. It, it is. Um, I, I, I see what you're saying. I, I agree. I don't know if, I think we should definitely take a, break from like do we need cgi in this is there a way that we can do this without the cgi i think i'm in on christopher nolan <laughs> like oh now you're fucking everything in? practical like detonate a real atomic bomb for he oppenheimer was, you were Just talking like, mad shit <laughs> do, you yeah. know, should we drop a real nuke is that what you're saying? i think it'll look better it'll be cleaner it'll cost less <laughs> be more authentic yeah <laughs> What's a, what's a country we could we could drop it on? Do we have a whole Pacific Ocean? You know. Yeah, but it's got to drop on a country, right, to make it more authentic. Well, you 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 shoot it long. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't be up close. Yeah, <laughs> you wouldn't know. It would look like it's on the some continent. Well, you're I mean you're dropping it on Japan, right? So you could the Pacific Ocean would be your buffer anyway. I see. I see. 
I think we should. Yeah, you're we should. <laughs> you're These are all great ideas. Um, we're talking about dropping nukes <laughs> in the Pacific <laughs> Ocean. <laughs> we have officially gone off the rails. So, Eric, move your book. Uh, book. Same here. Uh, final thoughts. What will we remember most? Uh, the game changing for me. The game changing churro popcorn served at the Alamo Cinema and Draft House oh. is a one since day one. I mean, that shit was like game changing. Chef's kiss. Yeah, that sounds delicious. Yeah. For me, it's the nasty old Diesel. Uh, you know, he's trying to. Who's the nasty old Diesel? From Thomas and Friends. Oh, the the the, the OG. Yeah. Okay. Not like Diesel. <laughs> Are you Diesel? No. <laughs> I'm Percy. Uh, I I can't wait to like get rid of Thomas and friends from my life. Well, we have to do a whole series of podcasts apparently that's about good. him now. So <laughs> anyway, that's it for me. Um, that's it for me as well. So signing off here. Thank you for listening. If you made it this far, um, check out our most recent episode on the gray man and then keep an eye out uh, on our social media accounts for Instagram and Twitter because we haven't decided what we're going to do on uh, our next episode. Uh, usually this time of year, we start to gear up for the Oscars um, and we try to figure out and anticipate which films or adaptations are going to be in the conversation for being nominated and potentially winning. But right now there just isn't like an, a lot of information this weekend. I know there's going to be the Venice film festival, so we should get more insight into what's good. Maybe white noise, um, what was the other one we were talking about? The Sun. The Sun from Florian Zeller, which was, I guess, a spinoff or a sequel to The Father. Um, so we'll see. We're going to see how things play out um, and then make a decision on that. So no announcements yet. I know you're upset about it, but it's okay. We'll, we can also put out a call for ideas. Yeah, sure. Uh, tweet at us. Yeah. At An engaged audience is a better one. That's true. We don't get much traffic on Twitter. We should probably do Shout out, um, Chan Chan. Hope you're doing okay. <laughs>